and welcome to Family History Modernized, the podcast, where my number one goal is to get you fired up about family history. Times have changed and family history isn't just for your grandma. You can sneak it into your everyday life and the blessings far outweigh any sacrifice, I promise. This podcast is all about connecting to your family, both past and present, and I am so glad that you're here. Stacy Julian loves telling stories and really loves taking pictures. When she uses her pictures to tell stories in scrapbooks, on her blog, or via Instagram, she especially delights in connecting people, places, and things across time. In other words, her documenting tends to be less about chronology and more about connections and crossroads. Stacy has worked in the scrapbooking industry for over 20 years. She has authored three books, and she was founding editor of Simple Scrapbooks magazine. In 2005, she started Big Picture Classes, a global online education community for creative women. She loves to teach and to travel, and she has been blessed to do a great deal of both. Stacy enjoys attending and teaching at Roots Tech, but she is mostly home, reading good books, making new friends, and starting family history projects that she always struggles to finish. Stacy is happy to admit that with all the opportunities she has had, the very best thing she has ever done is grow a family. She has been married to Jeff Julian for 27 years, and together they have five children, four biological sons, one near-perfect daughter-in-law, and one perfectly adorable Korean princess. It was such a joy to talk with Stacy and feel of her enthusiasm and love for family history, and I have no doubt that you will feel the same way about Stacy that I do. All right, I've got Stacy Julian on the show today. And Stacy, I'm so grateful that you were able to take some time to come on the show. It's just such a treat to have you here. Yep, that's a good word. I'm grateful to be here. I appreciate the invitation to talk about all this good stuff that we share a passion I for. I know. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's just jump right in. So okay. how did you come to love family history work? Um, you know, I, and I, you, you gave me this question ahead of time, Jesse, and mm-hmm. I just think I've kind of always had at least a curiosity and, mm-hmm. you know, some of my earliest memories revolve around, um, my grandmother uh, hall and my grandpa hall and their house. Mm-hmm. And it was a big white house, um, that at one point had been, it, it had housed dairy hands. And then anyway, when their family moved to town, they were able to purchase it. So it was big and it had all these bedrooms upstairs mm. and um, kind of a windy staircase. And there was a couple doors that, you know, my cousins and I would like open and look into. And one of them was my grandpa's office. And it kind of had just a cool, old, musty smell. Mm-hmm. And there was stuff in there that I didn't know what it was, right? And books and just stacks of film I mean, it just was this like, almost like a museum uh-huh. anyway. And I just, we always had curious it. So, you know, a couple of my older cousins and I sometimes would sneak in and just kind of look through things in his office. And I just had this sense that there were, there were important things in there. Mm-hmm. And then my, you know, in, in the same regard, my, my grandma had a closet that had interesting things in it. And then just, I think just, you know, being able, even as a child, gathering with extended family and hearing stories that aunts and uncles and grandparents would tell. I just always thought that was fun. Mm, yeah, I love that. I have kind of the same background. My grandma was just so good about gathering us together and telling us the, the family stories. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's where my love first began. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So do you have a, I know you kind of talked about your grandma and grandpa, but do you have a specific ancestor that you'd like to share a little bit about today? 
I do. Um, and it's actually the same grandmother. It would be her, let me think about this. One, two, three. So this would be her great, great grandmother. And, um, and I love her story. So, so I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that this faith that I have that's done nothing but bring good things into my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super intrigued with people in my ancestry and my family tree. The people specifically that embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ and joined the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, this is the woman on my grandmother, on my paternal grandmother's line. And okay. her name is, um, Anne Temperance George. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was born in Cornwall, England. And, you know, we have not, not tons of information, but we do have, um, a couple stories and a, and a history that was written by one of her granddaughters. And she, um, it's kind of fun because if, if anyone's familiar with the, what is it's Downton Abbey. I don't know. Is oh, yeah. Piece of yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's Downton Abbey, yeah. The, you know, the show. So this grandmother, she worked as a cook and house cleaner for a lady Trelawney. So when I picture her, I picture Daisy, you know, uh-huh. the girl that worked, at the, you know, down in the kitchen of the big house. Yeah. And so that was her job. She was a, a cook and house cleaner. And once a week she would be sent to the town to the market and she would, um, you know, bring in the, the cream and the eggs and et cetera, et cetera, that was produced on the, the farm. And then, um, she would buy certain things that the house needed while well, she met a young man in town as she made these weekly trips. And his name was John Doney and they were eventually married in the local parish church. And as newlyweds, they traveled, um, a fair distance to a little place called Davenport that was down on, closer to the water. Um, Anyway, I'm I'm dragging out the story. I'm getting there. No, I love it. (laughs) She went there. She she wanted to go there because her her older sister, Grace, was living there. And when she arrived, Grace was attending street meetings with Mormon missionaries. Um, And she knew that her parents were not happy about that. Mm -hmm. But she was very intrigued. So she began to listen and almost immediately recognized what they were saying as something that she wanted to have in her life. And so she actually joined the church first, and then it took her husband several months, um, and he joined later. And they immediately wanted to um, travel to um, to Zion, this idea that they were going to gather with other, you know, Mm like-minded people that were following um, the counsel of their leaders to, to come. So she, anyway, she got on a ship. The thing that's fascinating about and to me, it's not only just her, her A, her curiosity and her courage to do what she did. She, um, when they traveled across the ocean on the ship, she was expecting, um, she had one little girl who was 18 months old and she was expecting a child. But as you read her story, wow. it's never mentioned that she's expecting this child um, until much later. But anyway, she, her little girl on the ship gets very, very ill. And mm. she prays with all of her heart that her life will be preserved because she can't bring herself to do what many people had to do, which was bury a child, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, bury a child in the ocean. So she couldn't bring herself to do that. So she pleaded with, with God to preserve this baby's life. And so the baby did live long enough that when they landed and then boarded a train, the train stopped briefly in Toledo, Ohio, and she was able to give her daughter a proper burial in, mm. you know, in an unmarked grave, essentially. Um, when she reached the point where, where other pioneer saints were gathering, 
Um, it was in a place called Iowa City, and they had just introduced this idea of instead of carrying uh, or bringing big wagons, you know, that required oxen and all of this stuff and was expensive and you know, leaders of the church, Brigham Young, had just uh, conceived of this idea that they could come, bring more people, especially people that didn't have a lot of worldly wealth. They could bring them quicker, you know, um, mm -hmm. more efficiently, if you will, to what is now Utah today, um, using these hand carts. These, you know, that they were they were powered with people. You know, you pulled them across right. the <laughs> across the desert and plains of the of the United States. Anyway, so she was in the very first company. It was surely the whole you know the whole group of them were guinea pigs. <laughs> they were the very first that were going to attempt to, you know, traverse a thousand miles pulling their own belongings, which were very few. You know, in wow. these carts. And so as you read her story, what's remarkable is she talks one day, um, July 29th, about walking 26 miles, pulling into camp. Uh, there were some mountain men that were camped nearby. So many of the company members, um, you know, kind of left to go over and visit with these other people. And she and her husband stayed back. Um, and it says they found a, a secluded a place under a tree and she gave birth. Wow. to a baby so that's the first time that she mentions you know um, <laughs> and in my mind I'm just like what <laughs> like, you were pregnant during that whole voyage you know what I mean you you know it just kind of blows wow. my mind so yeah. I think of, I mean one of my life goals was to run a marathon and I did it once and I hope to never have to do it again you know and to think that she you know walked 26 miles and then got into camp and gave birth with I don't know how many I mean, you know, who helped her? Her husband. I don't know. It just right. blows my mind. So anyway, so she gave birth to the first baby girl, the first baby that was ever born to a handcart pioneer, um, you know, who then was Mary Jane Doney, who's uh, my, my grandmother's grandmother. Wow. That is anyway. amazing. Anyway, it's, it's a cool story, right? And so I, and the thing is, until you learn these stories, you know, um, I mean, I think they're great. And like I talk to people and I go, yeah, I'm just not really into it yet. I'm not really, you know. And it only takes one story like that. This is my experience. It takes one story. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. But then what happens, at least what happened to me, is for weeks, days, at first days, and then weeks later, I am thinking of Anne a lot, right? Mm -hmm. As I'm doing things in my own life, all of a sudden, you just almost feel like a presence. And you just you start to, it adjusts your attitude. And you start to look at things with more gratitude and you start to think to yourself, if she did it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. um, all, you know, all of a sudden, it just becomes a part of you, which I think is part miracle and part just yeah. cool. Yes, so. that is such a great description anyway. of family history. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you for yeah. sharing that story. That's sure. really awesome. And my maiden name is George, so now I want to find out ah. if we're related somehow. Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> yes, we could be. I know. So you have a quote on your blog that says from, well, it's from the book, The Secrets of Happy Families. And it says the single most important thing you can do for your family may be the simplest of all develop a strong family narrative. Mm. So I love that quote. And mm. I'm curious how you have done this in your life. Mm. Well, I hope I'm doing it. <laughs> I think, I the, think you the are. Quote is there to inspire me as much as anybody else. But, um, there was, there was a study, and I probably should have prepared better than, than I have, but there was a study done several years ago, um, at least partially out of Emory University, and they, um, they, re they realized over time that children are more resilient in life 
when they know a little bit about their parents and grandparents. Mm-hmm. And when they're, when they're told a story that isn't all roses, you know, isn't all good and isn't all bad, but that's the story of um, whether it's just extended family or ancestral family, that, that they survived. They're survivors. They had difficult times and they had happy times. And, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of this almost up and down, you know, um, right. And so how am I doing that with my own kids? I mean, I think the first thing I thought of is I thought of Team Julian, and I don't know how it got mm-hmm. started, you know, <laughs> but when we work together on a Saturday morning or we go, I don't know, do some sort of service together as a family um, or when we've accomplished something, you know, then we mm-hmm. always go, go Team Julian or this is Team Julian. Come on, Team Julian, get in the car. Or mm-hmm. so even if it's a vacation, you know, we just we refer to ourselves sometimes as this team. Oh, I love and that. And um, I've, I've tried to make myself, you know, familiar with stories on both sides of our family so that we can cite these stories in informal ways. And I think that's super important. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that we sit down and around, you know, the dinner table even. Well, the dinner table is certainly an informal, but it's not like we, we, we never sit everybody down and say, okay, we are going to discuss family history. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just that it comes up and, and it starts really, and I think for people maybe that, that are just curious about how do I do this more? It just comes with your willingness even to refer back to your own childhood, which is pretty easy to do, right? Mm-hmm. And to talk about your parents and to things that you experienced and, and just to share those with your kids. And as it grows from your own childhood to, you know, extended family through your siblings um, mm-hmm. and then farther back, then it, they just become part of something that's bigger, right, than the, what they can see every day. And there is absolute strength and resilience available to them in that connection, that they have with family. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's not a formal narrative, but it's a it's a an awareness and a knowledge of Great. what other people have done. Yeah, and I think the more that you just slowly drop by drop build on this family yep. narrative, I think that's how it becomes strong. Yep. So and I remember even saying to my oldest son who's now twenty four, I remember seeing as a little boy when he um it was it was clear that he loved to be outside. And it's just as simple as saying, you remind me of grandpa. Mm-hmm. Grandpa loves to be outside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you just create those connections for them. And yes. Anyway, so oh, stuff like that. that. Awesome. Stuff like that. Super simple. I have been to a few of your classes at Roots Tech, and they are always so inspiring. But I know that you are big into displaying family history around mm-hmm. your home. And... Um, so I'd love to hear just a few of those things that you've done and then how, and we've kind of already touched on this too, but what blessings have you seen from teaching your children or mm-hmm. just displaying these items in your home? So, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. I, You're I welcome. It's been fun to attend Roots Tech and learn. Um, okay. So the question is, what have I learned? Or, or So first of all, yes, I do. So, and I don't know really even how it got started. I think uh, it may have started for me, again, go back to Grandma Grandpa Hall's house. And one day I was upstairs in the upstairs bathroom and I had just washed my hands and they had one of those mirrors that opens. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't really those anymore, but there was, a, you know, little shelves behind the mirror. And there was a bottle of something called Corn Huskers Lotion. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was, but I my hands felt dry. So I took the lid off and I squirted it in my hands and rubbed it together. And then I smelled it and it smelled like my grandpa. <laughs> so I had an immediate sensory reaction, right? And I thought, mm-hmm. what is this stuff? You know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, and I remember um, wanting to find some. And then, and it was probably years later, I ended up 
seeing it again, somehow coming across it on Amazon and I bought it. And then I just passed it around one night, you know, when my, when my family was around and I said, rub this lotion into your hands. This smells like my grandpa hall, mm-hmm. who they've never met. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But I said, he was a farmer, you know, and I just talked about, you know, um, about that. And then I thought, I'm going to keep this lotion by the laundry room sink, which when you have a big job, you know, you wash your hands in the laundry room sink. Mm-hmm. And so it just sits there. And then later I added a shelf above the sink and put the lotion up there. And then I put a picture of my grandpa with a cow you know, mm-hmm. up there. And I, you know, so you just, over time, I just started to collect little things that had, um, initially they were, they were things that represented sensory memories specifically, mm-hmm. um, for me. And then I, and I think just, you know, once you do that, then you realize, Hey, this is cool. I'm going to do more of this. And then it becomes less accidental and more intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, you know, I'm trying to think of just some other things. I, um, I filled our, I, I redid our bathroom, like the one that's next to the back door that everybody uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember painting it, taking all the stuff off the wall and painting it and thinking, I guess I got to go to TJ Maxx or whatever and find some new pictures or something to hang up. And then it dawned on me that what if I hung family history pictures in the bathroom? I've been wanting to do that, but I couldn't find a wall where I was happy to do that. Uh-huh. And it was kind of just this weird feeling like, what if, what if I did that? Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down on the toilet and look at pictures of your ancestors? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I just did it. And uh, it has become, it's it's now, Yeah, I keep looking for ways that I can rearrange things so I can add one more picture as I find them. So it's like a little museum in a way. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's funny. I found this funny little hang, you know, sign that, that's on the back of the door. So you don't see it until you sit down and close the door. But the sign says, remember, we, let's see, remember everybody out there thinks we're a nice, normal family or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's humorous. My kids think that's hilarious, but, but really, truly I've now added shelves and it, it's just a place where you go and you see these people. And I didn't know if it was working until one day after school, my 16 year old. So he would have been a junior. I was making dinner and he went to the bathroom. So I heard the toilet flush, you know, and he walks through the kitchen and he's like, that's my favorite room in the whole house. And I'm like, the bathroom? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, important things happen in the bathroom. He goes, no, mom. (laughs) He's a teenager. So I was trying to be, you know, and he said, those are my people. And I said, yeah, they are, you know? And he said, now I know where I get my curly hair. And I said, you do? And he goes, yeah. And then he took me back in there and he showed me this small picture. And I hadn't really noticed, but it's a picture of my, you know, great, 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 great grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he kind of does. He kind of has curly hair, you know. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That could be one of the places where you get your curly hair. So without me even doing anything or sharing any stories specifically, you know, mm-hmm. there was this uh, relationship that was developing or an awareness that was developing. Yeah, with, that's uh, with that's them. amazing. <laughs> what more could you want from your kids? I know, right? From a sixteen-year-old, you know. So that's exactly what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so putting it in a place where they, you know, they're kind of forced to, you know, spend time there every day. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so it's, it's not in a hallway that you know you have to walk by or that you can walk by and ignore. It's kind of in your face. So it turned out to be a good thing. Awesome. So this kind of blends into the first question, but um, one of the classes that you taught was on small and simple things. So I know that kind of goes in into what we just talked about, but is there anything else you'd like to touch on with the, at least with the um, phrase small and simple things? Um, yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that introducing our family to family history is not difficult. I think in our mind, well, for me, and this is what I've had to do, I'm not a genealogist, okay? Mm-hmm. 
to this point in time, I, I maybe have tried to do research three times, you know, okay. I've done some indexing, <laughs> but I don't fall into that camp that is genealogist. And in my mind, that feels or seems difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I am blessed at least on one side of my family. Now I should, I should add the caveat that my husband is and his father is. And, um, and so luckily I have someone close by that is, um, doing the research that connects us to these older family members. Mm -hmm. So I have had access to, um, to a fairly full family tree. And when I say that, I, you know, like on familysearch.org or ancestry. And so I've decided that my job is learning more about these people beyond their names and sort of the dates and places. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's not hard, and maybe it feels hard to other people. There might be people who do the research and go, oh, I think that's the hard part. Uh-huh. But so whatever camp you're in, I think it's easier than you believe it is. And, and again, for me, it started in accidental ways. But I'm learning that my job is just for my job is to become familiar with these people, to get to know them as much as I can, and then have that knowledge in my head so that I can easily share it with um with my family so for example another small and simple thing that i've done recently well two things we'll see if we have time but mm-hmm. um <clears throat> this is a story from not my direct line but a, but a grandmother's sister she planted some peas one day and then she went back into her house and she was looking out the window from her kitchen and there was a, a rooster came along and he sort of systematically went down the row of peas and he <laughs> dug up the peas and ate all the peas and she did not like that. She wasn't happy. So mm-hmm. she went outside and she grabbed the rooster. And think about the role that the rooster plays, you know, if you're a chicken farmer. <laughs> anyway, she grabbed the rooster with, you know, no, uh, no mercy and killed him. Broke his neck, brought him inside, cut him open, took the pea seeds out of his chicken belly, I guess. I don't even know, you know. And went back outside and planted the peas. That, that story is recorded in maybe a half a paragraph. But again, that was one of those stories that when I read it, I'm like, no way. Like, that's crazy, right? And, I, and so then I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I'm like, do I have that kind of determination? Like when I set a goal or I decide to do something, am I that determined? Am I that willing to, um, yeah, like just stick with it, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I see someone come along and undo you know, or I perceive them undoing, am I willing to go after them, you know, <laughs> whether it's a person or circumstances. So I'm like, I have got to be able to bring that story into my home. So I have this chair in the corner and I, I, I've kind of redone a corner of my living room and I call it the best books corner. And that's another story we, we could talk about, but mm-hmm. I had this chair and it needed a pillow. And so I got online and I found this chicken pillow. It's got a rooster <laughs> on the pillow, right? And I found it on Etsy and then I, um, I found this anyway, and it, it, it doesn't make sense until you see it, but, um, the, the chicken, the way it's designed is it has buttons like the, anyway, it has buttons on it. So I'm actually mm-hmm. physically sewing buttons on top of this pillow and this <laughs> pillow sits on my chair and it reminds me of the story uh-huh. you know I mean? and just this idea that you, I can draw this resilient determination from from this one story, you know, mm-hmm. and I think how important is it, would, would it be for us to write down just, you know, not even all of our stories, right? Just a few experiences from our life. And that's the kind of impact it can have, you know, in generations. Mm-hmm. So, so small and simple things. I, br- I bring these 
items into my home that represent stories for me, not necessarily for my children but off the bat, but for mm-hmm. me. And then it gives me, even as I walk by, literally I walk by that chair and that Mr. Pella multiple times a day, right? Uh-huh. And it says to me, you can do this. And yeah. Pella's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love that. That woman is, she's an inspiration to me too, because right? <laughs> I, I don't think I would have had, even had that thought. And probably, you know, their no. lifestyle was different back then, but I, I love that yeah. story. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Awesome. So, too. okay. Um, have you ever felt like your contribution wasn't needed or necessary in the whole family history and preserving memories realm? Um, that it wasn't necessary. Um, no. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, going back to, so long before I would have considered myself a family historian, I was, I was a scrapbooker. Mm. Um, I mean, I started scrapbooking when I was a young mom uh-huh. and I knew then, even as I was, as my children were young, I knew that what I was doing was good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think as my kids became teenagers and there was a period of time between, you know, really before I considered myself a family historian where I thought here, I've made these volumes of scrapbooks and I don't see people looking at them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So was this worth it? Like was with was was the time and the money and everything worth it? And then I had two thoughts on separate occasions. One, yes, because it wasn't about the scrapbook. It was about what how it changed me mm. as a mother. It made me more present, mm-hmm. and it made me um, recognize um, beautiful things in my life. Right before they were in the past. Mm, I, and I think that. that's an amazing gift, right? Mm-hmm. Then the other thing I realized with my children now as I've seen them grow and and begin to leave the nest is that it isn't about, it's not that I'm leaving them scrapbooks. What I'm leaving them is a love of storytelling. Mm. So the scrapbook is what's is, is the byproduct of my love of storytelling during a season of my life. Mm-hmm. But what I want them to love and, and they might come back later with their kids and say, look at these scrapbooks that my mother made us. <laughs> and I don't know. But I don't care anymore because it changed me. And I see in them already a love of story. I want them to fall in love with storytelling. Mm. Um, you know, more than anything that I contributed to their lives. But there was that period of time where I wondered if, you know. Mm-hmm. So you ha- I had to separate myself from what I was creating to what it was create, what the process, the creative process was, mm-hmm. was creating inside of me. Yeah. I love that mindset shift because I know that yeah. my mom has kind of, you know, she put all this time into it and I think she still is working on that shift of yeah. <laughs> feeling like it well, was. And it is. Yeah. And then there's always guilt. Anytime you take on something like that, there's guilt associated with maybe not doing it the way that you perceived that you were going to or something like mm-hmm. that. And I think as soon as we can let go of that and just grow with the love that we have of, of, family and story then Mm -hmm. oh awesome so would you like to leave any advice for our listeners on maybe if they feel like there's not a spot for them here or if they feel like all the work has been done what would you what would you say to someone who's thinking that um uh you know I think just start small Mm -hmm. right just learn something about either write something down pay okay I start three different times. Here's my advice. Here we go. Pay attention. I think pay attention because what happens, we experience what I call memory triggers Mm. multiple times a week, if not a day, right? Mm -hmm. Where we hear something, taste something, 
feel something, remember something, and then it's almost like, and I attended a workshop years ago with a renowned storyteller named Donald Davis, mm-hmm. and he said our brains are like attic storage spaces where there's boxes stacked up of every experience that we've ever you know, had, right? Mm-hmm. And then something sensory generally will trigger, and it's like one of the boxes falls off the stack and it spills open, and little... Uh, almost like memory fragments fall out, right? Mm. And it can happen when you're in the car and you hear something on the radio or you see a billboard or, you know, mm-hmm. somebody says a, an idiom that your grandpa used to say. Or So rather than just brush those off or, you know, if you can train yourself to pay attention to those memory triggers mm. and then just even spend a few minutes thinking about it, like invite the box to stay open in your brain uh-huh. rather than hurriedly packing it back up and going on about yeah. you know, your busyness. Um, you can train your, your, your mind to bring those things forth. And then I think from there, you know, you, you pick up a few of those little items that fell out of the box and, and you put them together and that's, that's a story. And you give yourself permission to write that down, to record it for your own self, for your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just start small like that. Just start just honoring uh, some of the experiences you've had. And I think it's so easy in our world as we see, even just for example, technology, how much in my lifetime I've seen it change, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just laughing with your kids about, you know, what the telephone used to look like and, you know, and comparing that to what they have today and drawing connections across time for your children and then allowing yourself to remember things and honor those memories and honor them by sharing them. I think that's a great place to start. Mm, Yes, that is amazing advice. Thank you so much. I love that imagery of thinking of all those little boxes packed up in our minds. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Okay. So before we let you go today, I know you have a couple of fun projects that you're working on. So I'd love to have you tell my listeners about them and where they can find more from you. Uh, Thank you. Um, so I <clears throat> have a class um, at, uh, there's an online, um, it's called Big Picture Classes. Okay. Um, and so bigpictureclasses.com and it's where you can take classes if you're creative and there's lots of different kinds of classes from photography to, to scrapbooking to other crafts. Mm-hmm. But there is a class there that I developed um, and you have the link that will take them directly there. But if they go there, they can search my name as a teacher and it would come up. Okay. But it's um, how to create a very easy scrapbook, memory book out of your family tree. Mm-hmm. And it begins with a really cool thing that Family Search introduced a couple of years ago. And it's it's like a visual. So and again, hopefully the, there's a link in the classroom that will take you know people there. But you essentially can print a really pretty, there's four different styles to choose from, a really pretty family tree. It's a visual of a family tree, and it is created automatically once you have a family search account. Uh, mm-hmm. It will pull information, or just names, uh-huh. from your online family tree, and it will, it will help you print this really pretty family tree image. Okay, and then so I've, I've started with that, and that's the title page of... Um, of a scrapbook, but I've made it very, very simple and very streamlined and it will help you know what kind of pictures to go get and what kind of information. And uh, there's not a lot of information that's required. So it's a really great um, gateway or Uh entry point for someone who's interested in just creating, compiling something that they can keep in their home that identifies um, ancestors, family members and ancestors in just four generations back. 
Awesome. Um, and it would be a great resource, especially with, uh, well, just families, you know, just to share with kids if they're like, so do you have a picture of great, great grandmother? Yeah, I do. Right mm-hmm. here in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's a little information. Just here's a sentence or two about her life. So it's a very easy way to start to compile just the, the basic information. Yeah, this seems like an awesome first project for people yeah, who maybe feel exactly like maybe feel like they don't know where to start. This is where you can start. So that's awesome. what I should have called the class. Awesome <laughs> first family tree project. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I'm working on now that I'm excited about is, I mean, years ago, 25 years ago, I actually signed up to be a demonstrator or a consultant with a company called Close to My Heart, and um, they sell scrapbooking products. Mm -hmm. So I I haven't been with them over the years. I've done a number of other things, but I'm partnering with them again to create some products that are very story based. Um, what I find is that people who have either scrapbooked in the past or scrapbooked now tend to focus a, a ton on the products and the techniques and making scrapbooks that look good and scrapbook pages that look good. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly fun um, and important. But I think we don't focus enough on the skill set that involves um, creating content content that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you decide what to do with your pictures other than just, cause we, I mean, I have something like 40,000 pictures on my computer. That's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> so, you know, how can I help other women who are interested in family stories, um, curate, you know, mm-hmm. really specific, um, stories that will be meaningful in time. Um, and not that someone, I mean, I just, I think that it's our opportunity, especially just in this like 2017, where we have access to so much information and so many pictures they're and they're on our phones as we carry them around and, right. you know, uh-huh. but how can I teach women to select 10 of those photos and to tell a story that's, um, that's going to be, that's going to be very connecting mm. to, to people they care about. Does that make sense? So I'm creating what I call story first products that mm. will help people do that. Awesome. And are those, have you finished creating those or are you still working on that project? Yeah. So we're working on the first one and we're hoping spring 2018. And it's a, it's a little book that, and the process that you use to create the story is called, um, it's called the two minute memories story maker. So it takes just two minutes and it's, and it's a process that I actually um, learned from this storyteller um, well, I was doing it anyway. It's something that I've done for years in scrapbooking. And then mm-hmm. when I attended Donald Davis's um, seminar, week-long seminar, he did something similar. And so it gave, you know what I mean? You know how okay. sometimes yeah. things, and then someone really smart, you know, validates it. And you're like, oh, no way. I've been doing that for years. And so it encouraged me to kind of revisit that idea and make it more formal, kind of formalize it. So. Oh, awesome. You know, it's not just a little scrapbook, but it's the class that's taught around that scrapbook. And what I love about Close to My Heart is they have consultants, you know, um, that are prepared to teach these concepts and mm-hmm. these processes that will help people um, really hone in on the stories. So, oh, well, that's really exciting. I'm excited to yeah, check that out, too. So. so many fun projects. Thank yes, thank you. I'm excited, too. Okay, so do you want to just tell my listeners where they can find you and follow all of your fun projects that you're working on? Oh, gosh, this is so nice. <laughs> is this over already? Um, okay, so I am just Stacy Julian J. Well, Stacy was just S T A C Y. Okay. Julian J U L I A N. So I'm on Instagram at, at Stacy Julian. I have a blog at stacyjulian.com. Um, 
and I don't do a whole lot on Facebook, to be honest with you. Twitter is also at Stacy Julian, so it's just really my name. Okay. That you can use to find me. Okay, well, Stacy, thank you again so much for coming on the show thank and you. sharing your awesome, just everything that you've talked about today has just been so inspiring to me. So thank you again. That. Thank you again. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk soon. You guys, thanks so much for being here. It means the world to me to be able to share my passion for family history work with all of you. If you haven't done so yet, feel free to leave me a review on iTunes. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Family History Modernized. If you want to shoot me an email, you can do that at familyhistorymodernized at gmail.com. I'd love to hear how you are getting fired up about family history work. See you next week.